0: Chapter 7 The New Love Contract When it comes to love relationships, two halves do not make a whole. The single most damaging assumption you can make about a love relationship is that you and your life mate are supposed to make each other happy. This assumption makes no more sense than if you thought you could exercise for your lover to keep him or her physically fit. Individual happiness arises from personal growth, developing your own skills, achievements, capacity for intimacy, friendships, success, peace of mind, and spiritual insight. A healthy love relationship can add marvelously to that growth. Severe problems in your love relationship are inevitable, however, if you allow your love to blind you to your fundamental responsibility to create your own happiness. Becoming fit for love together. You may acknowledge intellectually that you are primarily responsible for your personal happiness and you can't expect someone else to make you happy. The difficulty arises in your taking this concept to heart. How do you acknowledge your needs without becoming needy? Is your sense of self-worth dependent on your love partner's attitude or feeling toward you? How do you develop and express your strengths without threatening your lover? How do you handle your own frustrations without succumbing to the natural tendency to blame? How do you get what you want from a relationship without causing? getting caught in the self-defeating efforts to change your lover. The answer lies in creating a new love contract, becoming fit for love together. By love contract, we are not referring to a legal written document. Rather, we mean the unspoken psychological promises that lovers make to one another. In the business world, conflicts arise when people make promises they can't keep. They wind up breaching their contracts. So too, lovers are often tempted to make emotional promises they can't keep. When lovers unconsciously enter into an unspoken agreement that each may look to the other as a primary source of personal happiness, lovers make psychological promises they are bound to break. It is in many ways easy to understand how and why lovers wind up assuming that each should be responsible for the other's happiness lovers naturally want to please each other and to earn each other's approval out of mutual commitment to each other, lovers desire to meet each other's needs. Living together involves some division of labor, whether one person cares for the home and the other works outside the home, or whether all these duties are shared. This sharing of responsibility encourages a feeling of responsibility for the other's well-being and happiness. While all these Reasons explain how life mates assume each is responsible for the other's happiness. A simple fact remains. Personal happiness depends on your own personal growth, not that of your lover. The Old Style Love Contract Codependency Some of our clients find this analysis unsettling. We explain that the underlying assumption of the old style love contract is, I am responsible for your happiness and you are responsible for mine. They tend to say, of course, that is what love is all about. We then suggest more careful examination of how the old style love contract gets played out. Does it focus each person on what each can add to the relationship Or does it focus each lover on what each wants to take from the relationship? Since happiness stems from within, a relationship based on the old style love contract usually winds up with lovers feeling disappointed with one another. How couples handle a business failure and economic setback typically illustrates the problem. When economic crisis hits, one lover may try to be understanding, but secretly feels let down. Illness may also tends to highlight the problem when one lover isn't there for the other, causing resentment to build up behind a facade of tenderness. More commonly, when you feel bored, moody, or frustrated, you may be expecting your love partner to magically boost your spirits. Unfortunately, no matter what your love partner has to offer, what often follows is a tirade of complaints and blame, such as, My life would be terrific if you would do what I say, take care of household chores, lose weight, stop spending so much money, etc. Such codependency can also inhibit you from pursuing your own goals. Couples caught in the old-style love contract tend to allow one partner to pursue personal achievement while the other assumes a supporting role. For some couples, this arrangement works wonderfully, but for others, Time passes, children grow up, and the caregiver who now feels unfulfilled may blame his or her mate for denying him or her the, an opportunity to experience the satisfaction of a career. Even where both partners work, it is it often happens that one will take a safe job so the other can pursue his or her dreams. The one who fails to reach for his or her potential s- personal star, reach for his or her personal star, winds up frustrated and resentful. Taking unreasonable responsibility for your lover's moods also results in enormous unproductive guilt and worry. If you believe you are responsible for your lover's happiness, it is quite natural to feel guilty about your lover's distress and to worry that his or her frustration is somehow your fault. We see this pattern of guilt and worry quite typically among caregiver women, terrified of abandonment, who will do anything to keep a relationship from dissolving. Unfortunately, no matter how much they try to help or please, they cannot make their love partner happy. In almost cruel fashion, they are confronted with a dissatisfied, emotionally unavailable lover who fantasizes that another woman could make him happy. These women also become subject to fantasies that a sugar daddy or prince charming will come along and give them the romantic bliss they have been craving. The result is that both people subconsciously wait for someone else to make them happy and resenting that no one does. Though every person must ultimately take responsibility for his or her own happiness, it is quite natural to wish for a magical lover who can do it all for you. Romantic infatuation is usually so glorious that even the most ordinarily sensible person can be heard to say, I have finally found the one who can make me happy. Unfortunately, when the romance and infatuation wear off, it is all too easy to begin wondering if you have found the right person after all. Romantic distortions inevitably lead to anger and disappointment. Love fitness requires letting go of the assumption that someone else can make you happy. Instead, you must commit to choosing satisfaction in your own life and your love relationship on a moment-to-moment basis. The more you resist choosing satisfaction, the more likely the complaints and antagonism will grow. A quality love relationship is not made up of a half-full partners trying to rescue each other or become whole by merging. Only when both partners are striving to be full and complete within themselves can love and happiness overflow. Choosing to be satisfied doesn't mean that you settle for less or become complacent. Rather, it means that you look for concrete ways to develop your aspirations in harmony with those of your life mate. It means identifying your most important goals, keeping yourself fit and taking charge of your life. We don't pretend that it is easy for you and your lover to seek your own happiness and remain in harmony. What if you desire children at different times? What if you get impatient What if you get important career opportunities in different cities? What if one of you wants to go back to school? These issues challenge your love fitness and certain emotional workouts provide important help. Part of taking responsibility for your own happiness is learning how to support yourself when fears and doubts arise. How often have you used fears or a victimized expression to induce your lover to make critical decisions for you? How often have you pretended you couldn't face an issue, when in fact you could have, but didn't want to? How often have you waited for external forces to make your decisions for you? Though you may know that you are responsible for your choices, and that you cannot abduct responsibility for for your happiness to your lover, knowing and doing something about it are quite different. For many people, the habit of looking outside themselves for support and happiness are deeply ingrained. They often revert to avoiding major decisions and instead wait anxiously to be rescued by a lover. Exploring your love contract, a quiz. The following quiz is intended to help you assess the degree to which you take responsibility for your own happiness and well-being in a relationship. Read each of the 33 statements as if you were speaking to your life mate, or if you are not currently in a relationship, the person with whom you last had an intimate involvement. On reading each of the statements below, ask yourself whether it applies to you rarely, sometimes, often, or always. Score three for rarely, two for sometimes, one for often, and zero for always. One, I struggle to be more of an individual person in our relationship. I Two, I try to guess what you need and feel frustrated when I am wrong. Three, I expect you to know what I want and to give it to me without asking 4 I feel guilty saying no to your questions for fear of making you unhappy 5 when I want something from you, I feel hurt when you say no 6 I don't feel happy unless you are happy also 7 I feel I cannot live without you 8. I feel guilty if you are not sexually satisfied. 9. I feel used rather than loved and appreciated. 10. I feel pressured to change my thoughts, feelings, or behaviors. 11. I feel as if you complain or nag about my failure to make you happy. 12. I tend to blame you when things go wrong. 13. I tend to blame you when I'm not feeling good about myself. 14. I regret giving up professional career goals for our relationship. 15. I place responsibility for my life's happiness on you. 16. I hold myself back from experiencing expressing my full abilities competence and intelligence 17 I find myself playing the role of Prince Charming or Cinderella trying to rescue you and make you feel happy 18 I feel our love for one another can solve all problems 19 I don't need friends I need you Twenty. I don't need family, I need you. 21. I feel I have, I have to be strong and responsible so you won't feel scared or disappointed. 22. If you are not happy, I feel guilty. 23. I feel if you don't need me, you won't want to be with me. 24. If I make myself happy, I'm afraid of being considered selfish. 25. I fear you will outgrow our relationship and leave me. 26. I have to give up my desires in order to make you happy. 27. I feel that I need to protect, defend and save you. 28. I feel that our love is a prison. I've lost my freedom and happiness. 29. If I am happy and successful, I won't need anyone, including you. 30. I count on you to make major decisions when I am unsure of how I feel. 31. If you love me, you will do what I say to make me happy. 32. I wish I could take more financial responsibility and were less economically dependent upon you. 33. I feel responsible when you are hurt or upset. Now add up your score. For each of the above, rarely signifies that you feel free to be yourself and enjoy taking responsibility for your own happiness. and often response suggests that you relinquish responsibility for your personal happiness and are prone to excessive dependence on your love partner the following analysis of your overall score will help you to calculate the level of freedom and autonomy in your relationship 80 to 99 you experience an abundance of freedom in your relationship you are a whole individual who enjoys interdependence and understands that the source of personal happiness lies within 60 to 79 you enjoy above average autonomy in your love relationship You know how to meet your needs and don't make your love partner responsible for your personal satisfaction 40 to 59 although you have enough independence to hold your own in a relationship you may often feel if you really love me you would causing you a good deal of unnecessary frustration the emotional workouts in this chapter will be useful in gaining a new perspective on the price you pay for these expectations and how to increase your interdependent independence self-sufficiency 20 through 39 you tend to be excessively dependent and look to a relationship as a prime source of happiness if you have difficulty sustaining a love relationship your expectations may be excessive or demanding the love fitness exercises in this chapter will help you expand your satisfaction and self-reliance 0 to 19 if you are in a relationship You are probably locked in the old style contract of codependency where you and your love partner look to one another for personal happiness. Freedom to take responsibility for your own emotional well-being is probably limited. You and your love partner blame each other for your frustration and lack of happiness. There may be problems in your relationship that could benefit from professional counseling. Pay particular attention to statements on which you scored zero or one, and ask yourself how these attitudes and beliefs have an impact on you and your relationship. If possible, have your lover complete this quiz as well. When reviewing the results together, beware. Don't use the quiz to blame, but rather to learn. Be sure to acknowledge yourself and your lover for the courage and commitment it takes to look honestly at the hidden assumptions in your love contract. False assumptions. One terribly destructive offshoot of assuming that you are responsible for your lover's happiness is believing that love is a license to change your lover. What lies behind such efforts is usually a desire to make your lover fit your expectations and meet your needs. Below are examples of individuals who created disasters in their relationship in this way. Melanie and Bradley lived together for three years. Although Melanie wanted to get married, Bradley kept putting it off because he wasn't ready. The more Bradley resisted a commitment, the more Melanie coaxed him to overcome his fears and grow up. Melanie had spent her lifetime trying to fix an unavailable and uncommitted men. She found unstable lovers to be challenging, unpredictable ones, mysterious immature ones, demanding, all of them in need of her understanding, support, and advice. When asked about her suggestions, Bradley declared, Melanie is always trying to help me be more intimate, but that just makes me feel like running away. By assuming the role of therapist and rescuer, Melanie was trying to force Bradley into fitting her expectations of the perfect lover. What she had to recognize is that no man wants to feel scrutinized and badgered. Her efforts to understand and enlighten him were actually manipulative and controlling. Through counseling, Melanie discovered that this desire to help was really an effort to force Bradley to pro- provide the unconditional love that she so desperately sought. Melanie had to learn to accept a man as he is, not as she hoped he would be. Only by understanding her own needs and how to fulfill them could she really love. That is, accept her lover as he is. After a six-month whirlwind romance, during which Dana, a professional chef, often prepared gourmet meals that took days to plan, Matthew, a stockbroker, proposed to the only woman who he said cooks better than Mom. Yet, five months into marriage, Matthew was seriously troubled by Diana's new attitude. Things were much better before we got married. "'Dana used to take such good care of me. "'Now she never has time,' he lamented. "'Dana, on the other hand, felt abused "'as Matthew became increasingly demanding and angry. "'Like so many men, Matthew confused love from his wife "'with motherly love, which comes only once in a lifetime. "'He sought from Dana the special quality of nurturance "'received from his mother, which included fixing all his meals, "'cleaning up after him, and indulging him during illness or difficult times. When Matthew began berating Dana for not being more caring like his mother, Dana blew up. Through counseling, Matthew saw that he was expecting a superhuman effort from Dana, one that she could not fulfill. We asked Matthew to recall the ways in which his mother pampered him, and then to recognize how he tried to make Dana assume the role of caretaker. Matthew also realized that he was still tied to his mother's apron strings, by always seeking her approval of major decisions, such as his choice of spouse, changes in lifestyle, and when to start a family. We assigned Matthew. We assisted Matthew in taking more responsibility in the relationship and helping to increase the amount of quality time he and Dana were able to share. Because she was no longer forced to take care of Matthew in addition to her other responsibilities, Dana once again experienced joy in creating an occasional special dinner for him. Matthew stopped trying to force Dana into a mother-child role and instead joined her in creating an adult adult relationship. In time, Matthew and Dana learned to function as a team. Becoming true partners in a key to life uh, is a key to becoming life mates. Lita was 29-year-old charming and vivacious sales executive who was deeply troubled about the breakup of her 18-month relationship, her longest love yet. She asked, I've got so much going for me. Why do men leave me? The issue for Lita was a powerful need to control and manipulate men by using sex appeal, flirtation, and charm. Throughout her youth, Lita's father was unaffectionate toward her and rarely vocal about his feelings consequently lita experienced a reject- of rejection was internalized in the message i'm not lovable or attractive i can never have what i really want as a teenager lita had romantic fantasies of idols from clint eastwood to mick jagger and joe namath lita kept hoping for her prince charming would appear in the meantime she grew increasingly bitter cynical and full of despair she so feared losing at love that the intense effects she made to seduce and sexually addict her lovers eventually led them to feel suffocated, controlled, and imprisoned. This was especially true because Lita was attracted to highly independent, powerful types who, like herself, enjoyed their careers. Feeling controlled by a woman, for many men, is akin to bondage, not love. Men, like women, need to feel free to love, not obligated to meet emotional demands. Ironically, these lovers who gave in to her needs for control were treated with contempt. Leta viewed these men, who were once strong and powerful, as weak pushovers, not worthy of her attentions. Leta was addicted to, I'll be happy when, since she could never enjoy what she had. She liked to seduce men with power, but eventually no lover could live up to her expectations. Lita lived with a two-horned dilemma, a fear of being less or else settling for less. Either way, she lost. In therapy, Lita had to confront her own need for control and her lack of self-worth. Only then was she able to sustain a relationship with a man who felt comfortable with her strength and whom she could respect. Lita also had to come to grips with the fact that, just as there are no perfect men The idols in her fantasies might, in the long run, bring her misery rather than fulfillment. In therapy, Lita examined the needs behind her fantasy and what she really wanted in a relationship. By learning to identify and attend to those needs, Lita was able to let go of her romantic fantasies and to find a man who was genuinely caring, successful, and able to commit. A relationship isn't it part of taking responsibility for your own happiness is recognizing that just being in a love relationship doesn't bring an end to personal frustration no one can possibly meet all your needs and the search for such a person is like the search for the holy grail it will doom you to despair therefore to create a new love contract in your relationship you have got to make a new love contract with yourself first you must recognize that A paradox of unconditional love is that we all have conditions. No relationship is perfect. The more you accept that no partner will ever fit all your pictures, the more you can make a realistic, mature choice and appreciate whom you are with. A relationship isn't it. Your experience of love, joy, and satisfaction will always rest primarily within you. Second, you must realize that you cannot please everyone. If you have fallen in love only to be bitterly disappointed, you may question your self-worth. By attempting to be a pleaser, you've discovered that no matter how much time and energy you give to your love partner, he or she will still complain and make demands. The lesson here is to stop looking for approval and to put your own needs first. As you do so, you must also learn to accept your lover's occasional criticism. Do not resist, justify, or apologize. Simply go about your self-nurturing activities. Your talents, well-being, and happiness are the greatest gifts you can give yourself and your love partner. The new love contract means you do not develop yourself for someone else's love. Taking responsibility for yourself gives great freedom to your lover and to your children to equally develop themselves. In the old-style contract, A love partner and children are often left feeling guilty and responsible for your unhappiness and, as a result, suffering and manipulation abound. Third, you must give yourself the freedom to be exactly who you are. You do not owe it to your spouse or your children to be anyone other than who you are. With this attitude about yourself, you empower your love partner and or your children to be themselves and to develop their abilities and happiness without excessively worrying about you. Just as seeing a parent suffer causes a child to feel responsible for easing the pain and turmoil, so seeing a parent joyous and embracing life gives the child a model as well as permission to do the same. All relationships become easier and happier. Fourth, you must accept that no matter how committed your love relationship or marriage, you are still and always will be single as well as part of a couple. Love is a special, intense connection, but it is not an answer to all or even most individual problems. If you have old emotional wounds, you must take responsibility for healing. Your lover can provide support, but he or she cannot perform your love fitness exercises for you, just as your lover cannot exercise or lose weight for you. Finally, you must learn to accept your lover exactly as he or she is, not as you hope or wish him or her to be. A change that you think is in your love partner's best interest may not seem that way to him or her. Certainly, you can be candid, make requests, and give feedback, but manipulation of your lover to meet your needs is a prescription for disaster. Change only comes about because your lover wants it. Mature love means accepting your lover's flaws and respecting that which is unique and lovable. Habits of the heart, the psychological assumptions that govern love relationships can be best thought of as habits of the heart. Ordinarily, habits such as sleep or eating patterns tend to be difficult to change. Habits of the heart are no different. In order to break habits of the heart that support an old style love contract, substantial personal effort is required. The love fitness workouts to make these changes can be practiced on your own. The rewards are worth the effort as our client Valerie now enthusiastically tells her friends. Valerie, a 31-year-old single parent of a 4-year-old daughter, felt devastated because her fiancé of 6 months, Jake, was threatening to leave her. Valerie didn't know much about being loved, but thanks to a childhood with very critical and withholding mother, she knew a great deal about trying hard to please and then being rejected. Her first marriage was to a man who ardently pursued her. Once married, however, she found him condemning and supercritical. Despite the romantic courtship, Valerie felt little affection in her marriage. Sex was a struggle to win her husband's approval rather than an expression of intimacy. Their eight-year marriage failed, further convincing Valerie of her inherent unworthiness. Valerie repeated the same self-destructive pattern with Jake. She believed that no man would leave someone so willing to try to give, please, and sacrifice. Valerie wanted to do everything together with Jake 24 hours a day until he began to feel claustrophobic. She read women's magazines and self-help books on how to win your man. Valerie would call Jake at work several times a day and cook gourmet meals for him every night. As a result of this pressure, Jake developed a growing sense of guilt and resentment to the point where he felt he had to leave. In her initial interview, it became evident why Valerie had such difficulties maintaining an intimate love relationship, as we particularly noted in her attitudes towards love. I try not to do anything to hurt or upset my love partner's feelings, but I always seem to fail. I let my boyfriends put me down, patronize me, or call me cutesy names. When someone I love is unhappy, I feel guilty and worry it's my fault. I'm afraid of being selfish or saying no. I try very hard to please so I won't be rejected. These unrealistic attitudes about love relationships caused Valerie to sacrifice her self-confidence at great emotional expense. Once again, Valerie was looking for love in all the wrong places. To feel self-worth, she sought a man's constant approval. On the one hand, Valerie was desperate for love. On the other, she was unable to receive the love Jake freely wanted to give. Valerie felt compelled to manipulate and control him, looking to Jake for what was missing in her. Valerie had to develop a fit-for-love relationship with herself before she could relate in a more healthy way to a man. She had to experience for herself that the more she commanded respect, the more love she would actually receive. Valerie had to put her own growth first and learn a new set of fit for love habits. We recommended a key love fitness workout to transform her habits of the heart. Valerie was surprised to discover her power to reshape her emotional responses. Together, we identified those messages, beliefs, attitudes, and expectations that led to the problems she was having in her love relationships. The premise behind this exercise is to con- contract those initial messages antithetical to love fitness and replace them with, the, with habits of the heart that support a truly loving, balanced relationship. 1. Unfit. It is selfish and wrong to put your needs before the needs of your partner. Fit for love. Each love partner is primarily responsible for his or her own happiness. Your primary responsibility is to take care of your needs first. Only then will you be genuinely able to give more of yourself to others. No one knows your needs and wants better than you. The truth is no one else has or ever will have a great, as great an interest in seeing your desires fulfilled as you. Your happiness is your responsibility. Being selfish means you are accepting that opportunity for growth and achievement. As you respect your own needs more, you will radiate confidence and grow more attractive. This in turn will affect how others perceive and treat you. 2. Unfit. I need love. Somewhere there is a perfect lover and a perfect relationship. Fit for love. I want love very much, but I can survive and feel reasonably happy without it. It's up to me, not a relationship, to make me happy. There is no perfect lover or relationship. Those who subscribe to the ideal of eternal romance inevitably find that no relationship fits the bill. Do unto you as you would do unto others. Learn to see and serve the beauty in yourself. The less you resist the fact that no lover will ever meet every single one of your expectations, the more fully you can appreciate whomever you are with now. Only when you work to become more whole of heart does a healthy and long-lasting love relationship become possible. 3. Unfit If someone is to love you, you must be perfect in all that you do. You cannot make mistakes fit for love. No one is perfect. You need not feel guilty about mistakes that affect your life and your love relationships. A sense of failure, self-blame, and diminished self-confidence is the result of believing you must be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you can take responsibility, forgive yourself, and learn from them. The more accepting you become of yourself, the less critical you will be of your love partner. Four, unfit. You should go to great lengths to please your love partner, or he or she will abandon you. You should always be sensitive to the needs and wishes of others, even if they don't tell you what they want. The more you can be, oh, even if they don't tell you what they want. Fit for love. You have the right to not anticipate your love partner's needs and wishes. You are not a magician or a mind reader. You cannot possibly know what others really want and need unless they tell you. The more you can be who you really are, the more you create an atmosphere where others can be who they really are. They can take it or leave it, but if people are responding to the real you, you don't have to worry about slacking off or not being on your best behavior. 5. Unfit. You should never hurt a love partner's feelings. People are fragile. Fit for love. You are ultimately not responsible for your love partner's feelings, no matter how much you respect him or her. Whether you allow yourself to feel hurt or not is primarily up to you. If what you need or want seems to hurt or deprive your lover, withholding information about your desires merely creates guilt, frustration, and anger. Continuous efforts to communicate with clarity, openness, and honesty will result in a relationship capable of negotiating needs and creatively integrating one another's desires. Six, unfit. Being alone is painful. Happiness and pleasure can only flourish in the presence of your love partner. Fit for love. Being alone can be a wonderful experience and a great pleasure. It refreshes and renews your ability genuinely to enjoy and love your mate A love relationship also needs room to flourish, time together as well as time apart. Joy and self-worth can be experienced alone as well as with your life mate. Being alone regularly enhances personal growth and is important to psychological well-being. You have the right to be alone and refresh yourself. You can simply say, thank you, I've already made a previous commitment to yourself. 7. Unfit To have a good relationship, you should focus on mutual sacrifice and giving. It is always better to give than to receive. Fit for love. You have the right to say no. A love partner has a right to ask and you have a right to say no graciously. Relationships are best when they consist of 90% wants twos, and 10% have to's. A high percentage of have to's causes dissatisfaction and frustration. The habit of self-denial, of always saying yes, can result in bitterness and resentment. Eight, unfit. It is easier to sidestep a confrontation, avoid disagreement and difficulties whenever possible. Peace is worth any price. Fit for love. Love guarantees some degrees of hurt and anger. It goes with the territory. If your inner voice says you need to confront something your lover or partner has done or said, you can learn to do so effectively. Unfortunately, avoiding confrontation usually results in the problems getting worse. A truly destructive emotional exploration can be the consequence. Chapter five provides some anger workouts that can help you use disagreements to grow closer. Nine, unfit. I am unattractive. I have to I have love handles, tiny breasts I can't accept. No more attractive woman or man would want to stay with me for long. Fit for love. A great irony of sex appeal is you don't have to be a model to be considered handsome or beautiful. If you possess an inner glow of confidence, you will be perceived as energetic, intelligent, and sexually attractive. If you judge your body and appearance harshly, you send out messages that say, don't notice me, or without makeup, I'm a mess. Such self criticism spurs others to see you as unattractive. Your self criticism becomes, in essence, a self fulfilling prophecy. On the other hand, you don't have to be young, gorgeous, or pencil slim to radiate sex appeal. When your posture, eye contact, facial expressions, clothing, and attitude reflect self confidence, a lover will also feel good about your appearance there is no barrier other than your belief to experience yourself as beautiful or handsome 10 unfit i constantly compare myself to others and i often feel inferior i am afraid that someone who has his or her act really together will find out how insecure and weak i am and pass me by fit for love i recognize that i am a wonderful unique and special person if someone really gets to know me, he or she will discover how much I have to offer. Many times the feeling of inadequacy is so familiar that, ironically, you may feel uncomfortable living without it. The key to breaking this pattern is to develop a more loving attitude toward yourself. Beauty may be in the eye of the beholder, but the person who determines how a lover will judge your worth is you. Pay more attention to your strengths and attractive qualities, and remember, no one can make you feel inferior except you. Sometimes it is difficult to recognize unfit internal messages because thoughts move at lightning speed. You will rarely conceive an unfit thought as a complete sentence stamped across your forehead. Once you begin to examine the habits of your heart, however, you will find unfit messages appearing in a millisecond shorthand. Ugly, no good, afraid, better not, These self-deprecating thoughts must be fully challenged and changed. Other clues that suggest negative habits of the heart include self-criticism, a negative self-image, remembering a traumatic love scene, or tension and anxiety. The habits of the heart described above identify not only Valerie's, but also perhaps some of your unfit internal messages. These assumptions are likely to be a major source of unhappiness in your love relationship. In the coming weeks, whenever you are experiencing self-doubt, fear, or oppression in your love relationships, refer to this list and see if you can identify your unfit habits of the heart. Then intentionally shift your attention to the fit for love habits by reading, writing, and incorporating them into your behavior as much as possible. Remember, repetition is the key to mastery the more you review and visualize appropriate situations in your life where you can apply these love fitness habits, the less you will be at the mercy of old unfit patterns. This is a fundamental aspect of love fitness, learning to trust your ability to recognize and modify your habits of the heart and to support yourself in meeting the challenges of love. The mirror exercise. You deserve to feel attractive. Society, advertisements, and publications tend to reinforce a general dissatisfaction with appearance and image. More than just looking good, a truly beautiful person radiates energy and excitement and a feeling of being genuinely comfortable alone or among others. To further help Valerie feel more self-confident, attractive, and sexy, we suggested she do the mirror exercise. Learning fully to accept and appreciate how you look isn't easy. Whenever you look in a mirror, you make a basic choice to feel either satisfied or dissatisfied. To get into the habit of self-validation and praise, practice the mirror exercise as follows. 1. Set aside 10 minutes in which you will not be disturbed. Stand nude or semi-nude in front of a full-length or bathroom mirror. 2. Stand up straight with your shoulders back and breathe deeply. With conviction affirm, I am attractive. Notice whatever negative judgments come to mind, for example, floppy thighs, breasts too small, and go back to affirming, I am attractive. It may seem quite confrontational to look at yourself in the mirror and practice self-praise. In fact, many people feel embarrassed, foolish, and self-critical at first. Keep focusing on being more accepting rather than self-conscious. It takes determination to make this habit, but the rewards are so great that it is worth going through any early discomfort. In addition to these beauty treatments, commit yourself to no longer complaining about your looks. It took years to develop and recognize your insecurities and you won't unlearn them overnight. The mirror exercise can be done when you start your day or before going to bed. This practice will also make sticking to a diet or physical fitness program easier. Whenever you eat a meal, go for a job, Put on swimwear or go get ready for a date. Say to yourself, I am attractive. When you disrobe in front of your lover, thinking and believing I am attractive will enhance your sex appeal and self-confidence. In addition to her mirror workouts, Valerie used a second exercise to turn her what ifs into what ifs. Into so what ifs. What ifs. What if I have wrinkles? So what ifs. So what if I have a few lines? They represent the wisdom I've gained. What if my breasts are too flat? So what if my breasts are small? They're sensuous and attractive. What if my hips and thighs are too big? So what if my thighs are heavy? They make me more voluptuous and sexy. Valerie used these emotional workouts to become more fit for love. Instead of under, underrating herself, she felt more confident, assertive, and attractive. The more positive Valerie felt about herself and her looks, the more Jake wanted to be with her. Here is a shorthand list Valerie made that she found particularly useful in reinforcing her gains. Unfit, try to control, fit for love. I, Valerie, relax and let go, unfit. I am poor, fit for love. I, Valerie, am abundant, unfit. I feel afraid. Fit for love. I, Valerie, am strong and self-confident. Unfit. I feel disappointed and stuck. Fit for love. I, Valerie, go with the flow. Unfit. I have self-doubt. Fit for love. I, Valerie, trust my inner voice and intuition. Unfit. I take life too seriously. Fit for love. I, Valerie, have lots of fun and enthusiasm. Unfit. I am dissatisfied with my appearance. Fit for love. I, Valerie, am sexy, attractive, and take care to look my best. Unfit. I feel needy. Fit for love. I, Valerie, love fully. Unfit. I am self-critical. Fit for love. I, Valerie, talk to myself gently with approval. Valerie put copies of the list by her bedside, the refrigerator, and the dashboard of her car. She also carried the list in her purse. Valerie took a few minutes three or four times a day or whenever she felt stuck to review her new habits of the heart. Her commitment paid off. Just as dissatisfaction with yourself is contagious, so is enthusiasm. As Valerie became better able to nurture herself, paradoxically, Jake no longer felt a need to leave. As Valerie became less needy, Jake felt more free to reciprocate with love. He no longer felt trapped, controlled, or smothered by the relationship. To the contrary, as Valerie became more fit for love, Jake found her much more exciting and attractive. Nine months later, Valerie and Jake were married. Valerie learned the special joy of fully taking responsibility for her health and happiness and not looking to Jake to bolster her self-esteem. A follow-up three years later found Valerie pregnant with a sparkle in her eye that radiated self-confidence and inner power. Valerie and Jake had forged a new love contract. BEYOND THE BLAME GAME When you were a young child, the responsibility for your happiness rested with your parents. An infant cannot feed, comfort, or clothe itself. A small child cannot survive physically or emotionally without the constant help of others. As a result of such dependency, you learned to behave in ways that would get others to do what you could not do for yourself. You discovered how to cry when you were hungry, to pout when you were upset, to throw a temper tantrum when you didn't get your way. As adults, we retain basic psychological needs for affection, support, and nurturance. Many people assume that the responsibility for satisfying these needs is still outside of them, still primarily up to others. When we feel frustrated at work, we blame our boss or office politics. When we see a character trait in ourselves that we don't like, we blame our parents for making us that way. When we are bored or in a lousy mood at home, we blame our mate. Your lover is the most convenient person to blame for your flaws, failures, and flops. How often have you shrugged your shoulders, pouted, or complained in order to manipulate your lover, love partner, into doing something you could have just as well done for yourself? Where's the butter? I can't find my pants. How often have you blamed your lover for your own shortcomings? How could you pig out in front of me when I'm trying to lose weight? Why don't you make the kids behave? How often have you told your love partner to make a decision for both of you and then complained about the outcome? Why did you pick this lousy movie? This Chinese restaurant is awful. Blaming and complaining are insidious emotional traps that spring from excessive dependency needs and can severely undermine a love relationship. It is so easy, almost natural, to blame your love partner for your own Problems and failures. People tend to unload personal frustrations on whoever is nearest and dearest. Blaming and complaining is the adult version of whining, of the whining temper tantrum. Poor B. Tears, tantrums, and threats. 26-year-old Shane runs a small business out of her home in the country. While her husband Keith is a lawyer in the neighboring town, Shane and Keith each had a long list of complaints that threatened their marriage. Shane said, "I have no time for myself. I work on my business at home and then take care of the three children. I have I feel I have nothing exciting to get up for in the morning." Keith declared, "When I get home from Seeing clients, Shane is miserable, the kids need my attention, and I feel very neglected. If this is all marriage is, let me off at the next stop, please." Shane felt that Keith had no sympathy for her and the pressures she faced daily. Even though Keith did help out with the children while she worked in her office at home, she felt he did so resentfully. She complained about the odd jobs around the house that Keith put off completing. Consequently, Shane began to resent giving Keith attention and instead felt upset with him most of the time. She lamented, I hate being a nagging bitch, but Keith doesn't help the situation at all. Keith felt agitated because Shane did not appreciate that he took care of the children in the evenings while she was working. He cooked dinner, tucked them into bed, and tidied up the house. Keith resented that Shane paid more attention to what he didn't do and failed to acknowledge all the responsibilities he assumed around the house. As a result, Keith found himself seething with anger and making sharp, derisive comments. In a love relationship, that deteriorates into blaming and complaining. Each partner feels like poor me rather than working through the challenges of their situation. Keith and Shane would report to emotional weapons, resort to emotional weapons, to manipulate each other. Each would attack by sulking, yelling, and withdrawing love. The problem is that when you and your love partner are each trying to change the other, it's a no-win situation. By pushing against the other, all the happiness is an increase in disappointment and resentment. The more you persist in provoking each other, in proving each other wrong, the greater the resistance. Here is an exercise we asked Keith and Shane to perform To break the blaming and complaining cycle each listed specific complaints about the other on a sheet of paper we then showed them how remarkably polarized their complaints had become when set side by side shane one you always want things your way keith you never make decisions two shane you are so predictable and compulsive. You don't take time to have fun. Keith. You are too impulsive, outrageous and silly. You always want to play. 3. Shane. You are always worrying about business and money. Keith. You don't think about where the money will come from. 4. You are too secretive. Keith. You pry too much. 5. Shane. You are too insensitive. Keith. You are overly emotional. Six. Shane. You are so opinionated you can never be wrong. Keith. You are too nice, always letting your friends influence you. Seven. Shane. You always interrupt and never let me talk. Keith. You withdraw and punish me with silence. Eight. Shane. You are cold. Keith. You are too needy. Nine. Shane. You act sometimes like a stranger to me. Keith, you don't respect my need for more space and privacy. 10. Shane, you aren't open emotionally and you're tight as a clam. Keith, you want to talk about your feelings. You're so self-centered. You just want to talk about your feelings. You're so self-centered. This exercise was useful in two respects. First, it helped to get frustrations out in the open. For Shane and Keith, However, this exercise had the additional benefit of showing them how each was failing to acknowledge the other's point of view. They matched each other point for point in the blaming and complaining game, but they weren't resolving the problems in their relationship. Fortunately, Shane and Keith were able to laugh at how they had been, provoking, had been poking at one another out of frustration. They shared enough love and motivation to learn to put into practice the following solutions. The 200% relationship. Love fitness requires taking responsibility for your choices, experiences, and feelings without blaming your love partner. Many people have a tendency to pay lip service to this concept of responsibility while really feeling, but in this case, it really is his or her fault. Being fit for love means recognizing that partners are equally responsible for what transpires in their relationship. Old style relationship contracts were a 50 50 division of responsibility. New style love contracts are a 100 100. Rather than feel victimized and miserable, each partner must take 100% responsibility for creating problems and finding solutions. If you and your partner each make such a commitment, you can create a 200% relationship. This next emotional workout is designed to help you stop the tendency to blame and complain and to take full responsibility for your relationship. When your lover becomes upset, ask yourself the following questions. 1. What reasons does my lover have for thinking, feeling, or behaving this way? 2. Why do I allow it to affect me negatively? 3. What am I doing to elicit, provoke, or maintain my love partner's hurt, anger, or frustration? 4. What expectations or assumptions underlie my feelings of being hurt, threatened, or irritated? 5. What care and compassion is my lover really seeking through his or her distress? 6. How might I choose to react to elicit a positive response from my life mate? 7. What can I say to acknowledge my lover's good points? 8. What can I do to convey more love, understanding, and acceptance to my love partner right now? What these questions boil down to is quite simple. Whenever you and your life mate feel hurt, angry, or irritated, ask, how can I create more love, acceptance, and appreciation right now? Many people complain that their lover always criticizes them when in fact, they criticize their lovers for criticizing them. You can break the blaming habit by acknowledging what your lover does right most of the time, not just when he or she irritates you. Shifting your attention from negative from nagging to acknowledging is a powerful relationship-changing love fitness skill. Some love partners secretly feel that once they stop complaining and arguing, they will have nothing left to talk about. First of all, you have to recognize that the problems will always come up in your relationship. Second, you now possess new love fitness skills to handle these challenges. Here are some further suggestions to change your relationship that has gotten stuck in blaming and complaining. Even more painful than tirades of criticism and complaints is suppressed love. You can break through years of negativity and, negativity and conflict by honoring your highest intention to share love. Don't be afraid to say, I love you, no matter how many times you have suppressed these words in the past. Keep in mind that arguments are a signal that your love partner needs care and understanding from you. Be willing to give a warm hug from your side instead of waiting for your love partner to take the first step. It may feel awkward and risky, but the rewards for being open with your positive feelings are enormous. When you say or do something loving for your life mate, don't be surprised if he or she has some difficulty responding immediately. Your love partner may be changing the habits of a lifetime, and that takes time, just as you have felt unloved. At times he or she may have been acknowledged too infrequently or with too many strings attached complaints build because of a failure to love and be loved now it is up to you to bring in more love send a love note and flowers when they are least expected you may have to initiate not just the first step but the first ten give your love partner a few moments to accept the loving things you say or do part of saying I appreciate you, thanks, and I love you, is waiting patiently for your lover's defensiveness and cynicism to fade and to realize your sincerity. Act from the position of strength and power, and you will no longer need to be afraid of sharing your love. Rephrasing with love. Here is a love fitness exercise, rephrasing with love, to shift from blaming and complaining to acknowledgement and intimacy. You can rephrase a complaint into a caring statement that calls for a responsible and mutual solution. The key is to describe the problem in terms of your own behavior. This is the exact opposite of blaming because you identify what you can and will do to make the relationship work better. The following emotional workout between Shane and Keith... Will allow more insight into the mechanics of this process. The items on the left hand side are a list of their blaming and complaining statements. On the right are the same sentiments rephrased with love. One, blaming and complaining. You never give me credit for how hard I work to provide a lifestyle you enjoy. Rephrasing with love. When I need acknowledgement for being a good provider, I will say, sweetheart, I've had a rough day. And when you get time, I need some hugs and understanding. Two, blaming and complaining. You never do anything with the kids. You're tired and don't have any time for me. Rephrasing with love. The kids really enjoyed going with you to dinner and to a movie a few weeks ago. I'd appreciate your spending time with them this weekend. Three, blaming and complaining. You yell and bitch when I come home at night. I wish you'd be more fun. Rephrasing with love. I've been unresponsive to your needs, causing you to be upset with me. I'd like it for us to have more fun. I've gotten a babysitter and have arranged a surprise evening. Four, blaming and complaining. Why don't you ever create a romantic, erotic and adventurous evening for me? I'm always the one planning them. Rephrasing with love. I really love it when you create excitement in our love life, like the time you, specific example, let's do it again. Five, blaming and complaining. How could you be so stupid? It's your fault. If you'd listen to me, these problems would never happen. Rephrasing with love. I need to be more assertive and give you my inputs on major decisions. I have a tendency to hold back my opinions and say, I told you so, and then say, I told you so. Six, blaming and complaining. You're always breathing down my neck and finding fault. Quit telling me how to run my life. Rephrasing with love. I have a right to make my own decisions. I value your input, but even if you think I'm making a mistake, please respect my choice. Seven, blaming and complaining. You let yourself get overweight and out of shape and don't care about looking good for me. Rephrasing with love. I get turned on when you feel good about yourself and make an effort to stay in shape. Why don't we start jogging or going to the gym together? Try this exercise yourself. Make an uncensored list of the five biggest complaints you have about your lover. Then take each complaint and rephrase it to reflect your responsibility for the problem. And how you can talk about these issues with greater intimacy. Rephrasing allows you to avoid the frustration of waiting for your lover to change. As a result of practicing these love fitness skills, Shane and Keith were able to restore intimacy and give support to their relationship without giving in or giving up. Remember, rephrasing with love is not primarily for your lover, but for you, your personal satisfaction, effectiveness and power. Transforming expectations into preferences. As you take responsibility for developing love fitness, you will be less likely to expect the impossible or seek to control your life mate. Nevertheless, you may already be carrying unrealistic expectations that cause significant dissatisfaction in your love relationship. If your parents argued either too much or not at all, you may have unrealistic notions about whether or how often you and your partner should argue. If an ex-lover catered to your every whim and desire, you might be expecting your current partner to live up to an impossible standard. Some expectations, of course, are appropriate. If your lover abuses alcohol or drugs, has a history of infidelity, or is unable to make a living, you are right to be cautious. Some of the demands and expectations you carry into your love relationship, however, might usefully be converted into preferences. We define an expectation as something you need from your lover in order to feel happy, secure, and whole. In contrast, a preference may be defined as something you want from your lover but don't need so desperately that your happiness or well-being depends upon it. Almost all expectations can be transformed into preferences, and the process of transformation contributes to greater autonomy, increasing intimacy, and better communication. The following are some expectations we've heard from clients whose relationships benefited by converting these demands into preferences. Take an honest look below to see which of these common expectations you bring to your love relationship. If you loved me, you would like my friends and want to socialize with them, make family priorities more important than work. Have no expectations of me. Include me in all your activities. Do what I tell you. Want the same things I want. Never do anything that upsets me. Be on time. Never be late. Make love to me whenever I desire. Never interrupt me or walk away when I'm speaking. Lose weight and stay in shape. Stop watching TV when I'm talking to you. Agree with me. Make more money for a better lifestyle. Be more affectionate and attentive. Always have an orgasm. Wait for me to have an orgasm. Never attend conferences or go on vacation without me. Always look attractive. Never be attracted to anyone else. Call me every day when you are away on a trip. When we argue, be the first to make up. Do all the things around the house I don't like to do. Do lots to make me happy. Never fantasize about old lovers. Stop being friends with people I don't care for. Make sacrifices for my parents and family. Never do anything that hurts or aggravates me. Now review the statements you have checked and consider the following questions. How realistic are your expectations? What is it that you are looking for from your partner? What could you do to create more of what you want and impose fewer expectations on your partner? Why are these expectations important to you? Why might these expectations not be important to your partner? What additional expectations do you have that are not on the list? A useful stimulus is to say, if you loved me, you would, or I expect you to, and then write down whatever might follow. It is important to recognize that no lover could possibly live up to most of these expectations. As you develop yourself, you will be less likely to demand the impossible or seek to control your love partner. Even for those expectations you consider realistic and appropriate, it is helpful to express these as, I would prefer it if you would lose weight and stay in shape, be more affectionate, wait for me to have an orgasm. Remember, it is easier to respond with enthusiasm to a request rather than a demand. As you accept more responsibility for your fulfillment and happiness, the need to extract unreasonable promises from your love partner will lessen and the more spontaneous, free-flowing love you will experience. Love Fitness, a brief summary. A serious issue in writing a book about love and relationships is that it can never be complete. We have provided certain love fitness workouts to help develop personal qualities, emotional strengths and communication skills that contribute to a strong and passionate relationship. It is impossible, however, to reduce love fitness to one neat package. We thought it might be helpful as a summary to present what our clients and seminar participants have said about love fitness. Here are some of their thoughts. Love fitness means being 100% responsible for your experience of living, not to be a victim or a martyr, to be 100% accountable for the quality of your life, which includes the amount of love, joy, and growth you create in your relationship. Love fitness is the ability to remain strong, stable, and committed through difficult times, challenges, and changes. Being fit for love means being gentle, kind, and supportive of your life mate's potentials, goals, and aspirations. Love Fitness is recognizing that you may choose at any time to experience joy and satisfaction, and therefore, to be able to share your love. Whatever the circumstances or difficulties, you assume responsibility for your happiness and can turn within to regenerate satisfaction and overcome any obstacles in the relationship. Being fit for love entails a willingness to risk being hurt, rejected, and even at times feeling unloved. It is recognizing the need to be vulnerable and open on the level of your heart and spirit. Love fitness means sticking it out and solving problems that arise instead of running away. Love fitness means acknowledging that disagreements are inevitable and that problems are mutually created. Love Fitness means accepting your life mate's blind spots and shortcomings with no expectations or illusions. Love Fitness is agreeing that no one and no relationship is perfect. Love Fitness is an opportunity for you both to grow and express yourselves as whole yet interdependent individuals committed to a relationship of love, equality, unity, and respect. Love fitness is operating under the assumption that your life mate loves you even when his or her behavior, feelings, or thoughts may at times seem otherwise. The commitment to love means seeing your partner's love for you even when he or she can't see it. Your awareness and faith can see through walls of anger, hurt, and fear, and by doing so help reconnect your love partner to the love inside him or her. Love Fitness is utilizing a painful situation to further develop yourself as a person and lover. Rather than invalidate the relationship or negate your partner, a personal or relationship crisis is an opportunity to expand your fitness for love. Your courage and skill allow you to get through to someone's heart. Love Fitness is understanding that a relationship is a learning experience for you and your partner any difficulties are to serve your path of the heart and growth as a human being. Love Fitness is a commitment to creating an atmosphere where both people can share their opinions, thoughts, and ideas without becoming argumentative or defensive. Love Fitness means continually discovering pleasure in the hidden aspects of your life mate, as well as within yourself that emerge as your heart unfolds and challenges emerge. Love fitness includes at times letting go when your life mate desires freedom, but also knowing how to hold your partner close when he or she needs security and nurturing. It means wanting the best for your partner, even if it may mean giving up some advantage or desire on your part even if it means negotiating and compromising. Love fitness means wanting your partner to become all that he or she can become without feeling threatened by the changes, successes or challenges that this might incur. Love fitness means respecting, valuing and appreciating what your life mate has to say and feel. It is acknowledging that openness and intimacy make a relationship special. Love Fitness is recognizing that not only are you committed to the responsibilities of love and perhaps marriage and family, but also to the spontaneity, playfulness, and fun of being together. Love Fitness is embracing differences and discovering ways in which to build a common lifestyle, share in decision making, and take equal responsibility for the results. Love Fitness is realizing that you can only have power or manipulate another human being as long as he or she is willing to be a victim or martyr. Being fit for love is recognizing that you are powerless to control your love partner. All you can do is take responsibility for yourself. Love Fitness is accepting your life mate as he or she is without trying to change him or her through threats, screams, sulks, withdrawal, or hassle. Being fit for love is, igno- is knowing that attempts to coerce a partner through intimate- intimidation will produce negative results. Even if he or she does comply, change occurs at the expense of pride and mutual respect. Love Fitness is assuming at all times that your life mate is good and loving and lovable at his or her essence and that any negative behavior is learned and a challenge to further understanding. Love Fitness is recognizing that each human being needs nurturance and support. Everyone needs someone who cares, encourages, and believes in us, especially when we sometimes don't. Love Fitness is the ability to assume the responsibilities and challenges that arise when a lover is sick or unable to care, to take care of financial commitments and being there through difficult, if even tragic circumstances. Love Fitness is admitting that you cannot burden your lover with all your needs. The more self-sufficient you can be, the less pressure you put on your relationship. You will always have a need for professional self-esteem, friends, and self-actualization and growth that no relationship can make up for. In a a fit-for-love relationship, life mates recognize that they are together by choice and not because they have to be, or for the children, or because they are terrified of being alone. In a fit-for-love relationship, both parties respect the skills, competencies, strengths, and weaknesses of each other without regard to rigid sex role stereotypes. A fit-for-love relationship means being able to ask directly for what you want, as well as being able to accept no for an answer. Love Fitness is a willingness to express your deepest feelings, desires, thoughts, and opinions without needing approval or agreement, where your partner can disagree or disapprove without you becoming defensive or needing to justify. Love Fitness means you define problems that come up in the relationship in terms of your own behavior rather than blaming your partner. Being fit for love means working together as a team without competing or putting the other person down. Being fit for love is a willingness to make key decisions together, making the most of what each love partner has to contribute. Love guarantees some degree of anger, hurt and frustration. Love fitness is a realizing that no experience, joy and love more deeply Love fitness is realizing that to experience joy and love more deeply you must eventually become vulnerable to hurt not dwelling on it but paying excessive not paying excessive attention to it but recognizing that pain inevitably comes with love. These love fitness principles are worth rereading from time to time especially during a difficult period in your relationship. You may be surprised to find yourself challenged by different love fitness principles at different periods in your relationship. Also, be sure to add other principles you have discovered to be effective in your relationship. Insight alone, however, is never enough. Repetition and practice is the key to mastering the love fitness program. Above all, acknowledge both your own and your lover's commitment to keep learning lessons of the heart. Survival of the fittest. Love fitness brings deep personal satisfaction, but also something more. It changes your perception of yourself and your relationship to the world. As you develop more love fitness, your appreciation of your interdependence with every other human being grows as well. The more love you feel, the more love you want to share. Personal growth and social contribution become woven into one strand. The techniques and strategies we've developed have emerged from commitment to the belief that human beings are capable of enormous personal transformation. To whatever extent you put these suggestions to use, you will break through old barriers of past resistances to new levels of emotional strength and honest communication. You will overcome old negative habits and experience more love and pleasure in almost everything you do. You will become more attuned to your loved ones and discover your power to create the life you want. With this experience of love fitness, your perspective is also likely to grow from me to we, and you are likely to become more concerned about making the rest of the world a better place. The more conscious you become of your own emotional strength, the less possible it becomes in the face of human suffering to deny the inner query, what can I do? When you experience your power to change your own life, it becomes difficult to justify inaction with a stock phrase such as, one person can't make a difference, it's someone else's problem, or I don't have time, I'm too busy. Once you make the Love Fitness Program a part of your existence, it will become impossible for you to turn your back on other people and world problems. With the growth of love fitness, you come to appreciate that life is one and outpouring of love flows through you toward your fellow human beings and all creation. Love fitness becomes a way to experience unity amidst amidst diversity, the mystery and beauty of life. Large numbers of people acting upon their power to love can herald a new era of human relationships. An idealistic speculation perhaps, but a possibility worth consideration. A new vision of social institutions that nurture individual and relationship growth is gathering momentum. No longer are people willing to put up with needlessly circumscribed lives defined by stifling jobs, joyless consumption, personal anxieties, and unhappy relationships. In the past decade, many have become aware That their lives can be richer, deeper, fuller, more pleasurable, and satisfying. During the very early stages of this social awakening, the interest in personal growth appeared to be an exercise in withdrawal from social involvement. Tom Wolfe coined the phrase, the me decade, to describe the sudden explosion of interest in the inner self and personal growth techniques. The pursuit of inner growth, say the critics, is a naive, narcissistic attempt to achieve peace while all around society is crumbling, like Nero playing his fiddle while Rome burns. Now it's becoming apparent that the critics are wrong. As people practice personal growth programs, they're not turning away from others, but toward them. They're not shunning social problems, but becoming involved in the search for new solutions. They believe that the individual can make a difference and that major social problems will yield to answers based on a new vision of human capacities. Love fitness signals an end to the me-decade mentality and the birth of a sense of greater community. Our culture is in midlife crisis. We are moving from the machine age to an age of discovering the spirit in the machine, the sacred within the secular, As psychotherapists, we see every day what happens when stressed, fearful individuals spend the majority of their energy in defensive modes of behavior. There's less energy for love and creativity. Nations are collections of individuals and the collective consciousness of the nation reflects the consciousness of its citizens. Presently, the nations of the world spend trillions on defending themselves while millions of children continue to die annually from starvation. As a result, there are fewer resources to solve the most serious world problems. Love Fitness raises fundamental questions about the human spirit and political will. Are we to remain culturally conditioned and exhaust our resources in psychological conflicts, struggles between the sexes and individual fear? Or can we human beings change such ingrained habits and become more fit for love? So too, Are we to remain politically conditioned by economic conflicts, ideological battles, and global paranoia? Or can we politically lessen fear and solve the pressing problems of potential environmental disaster, nuclear confrontation, and worldwide economic crisis? An individual becomes a lover of life, not just by taking a philosophical stance, but through a passionate commitment to a positive career and social endeavors. Once aware, the worst evil may be to remain passive. Everywhere there are problems that call for individual and political action. For example, storage of nuclear weapons, dumping of toxic waste and the greenhouse effect and acid rain leave no country and no person unscathed. Inadequate schools remain an impediment to progress, even in some of the most developed countries. Defense spending continues to exceed healthcare spending by several hundred percent. We are hopeful that by becoming more psychologically fit, more people will join hearts, minds, and hands with others to form a spirited love conspiracy. Conspire meaning to breathe together, to shift resources away from the defense toward constructive investment in our collective future. There is much each individual can do. You may choose to participate on a local land use board in support of environmental impact laws to ensure those natural rights for future generations. Support charities and organizations that reflect your world vision and values. Volunteer your services at shelters for the hungry and the homeless, hospice centers for abused children or the psychologically disabled to name a few. Most importantly, in all arenas, be one who listens, learns, and shares without self-righteousness. We are all in this together, so let us humbly support one another in becoming more fit for love. We regard the Life Mates Love Love Fitness Program as part of a global shift among people more openly accepting their desires for caring, intimacy, cooperation, and worldwide friendship. The dream may be large, but its fulfillment begins with heart-to-heart communication, person-by-person, family-by-family, and eventually nation-by-nation. In an age of potential nuclear war, environmental catastrophe, love has become the master key to survival of the fittest.